Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Restoration Foursquare Church. RFC, located in Concord, New Hampshire, is a church that desires to develop disciples who will love God, love people, and serve the city. We pray that this sermon will help you grow in your understanding of who God is and how much He loves you. Last week, uh, Kim went through the, the second half of Acts chapter 5 and helped us process through um, quite a, a lengthy bit of, of, uh, of Acts chapter 5 and, and really navigating through. Okay, so um, the apostles had been arrested. You know, Peter, they'd, they'd been arrested and they had been put in prison because they were preaching. They were speaking the Word of God. But then they were released. But then they were told, like, hey, stop, don't, just don't do that. Be Be good. Be good. And all through it all, and, and I want you to hear this and I want you to see this, through it all, as the gospel was proclaimed, the Lord added to their number daily. It's not that the Lord was trying to develop like, you know, we, we've just got to have this mega church. We've just got to have this great big body of people. We've got to grow this. We've got to have a group. We've got to have big group. Small groups aren't good. Big groups are better. That wasn't the focus, but it was more as the gospel is presented, you remember the first time people heard the gospel, they said, this is, this is good news. Thank you. Someone's tracking with me. This is good news. And that is the gospel is good news. And it's good news for all. And when people heard the gospel, there was a draw. There was, a, a, there was an invitation that was given. There was a connection that was made. And there was, there was a group of people the Lord added to the number daily those that were being saved, those that were turning to Jesus, those that were saying, I can't do life the way I've always done it. I can't do it the way I think I do it or I'm supposed to do it or I can't do it the way I was taught to do it as I was growing up. I have to do life this new Jesus way because in it there is true life. It is, as he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in that, we find fulfillment. In that, we find fullness and wholeness. And so, there was the opportunity for more and more people to hear that word because it was proclaimed boldly. And people began living out this Jesus life. And others were seeing that and were drawn to that and wanted to know more about that. And so, that's where we find ourselves. The Lord added to their number daily. Do you know what happens when you get a lot of people together? Things get real messy. Things get real messy. Things get confusing. Things get chaotic. Like, so we ran out of coffee. What are we going to do? Go home. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm absolutely going to sleep in that day. So we, th- there are so many different moving parts as more and more people come in, right? There, there's, there's structure and there's organization and there's systems that need to be put in place. Think of any business as this business, you know, starts as a little mom and pop shop. But then as they grow and they, like, world domination, and they, they, they want to grow larger and larger, they can't do what they did as a mom and pop shop if they want to be, um, you know, global. If, if they, if they want to have multiple locations, if they want to open franchises and, and all these different establishments here, there, and everywhere, there have to be systems in place. So we find ourselves at the beginning of Acts chapter 6, and in the beginning of Acts chapter 6, here's where we're at. There's a whole lot of... There's a whole lot of love going on. There's a whole lot of people that are being served and cared for. Anyone that had need, 
the needs were taken care of because those that had were selling some of the stuff that they had and giving it to the group, giving it for the, the fulfillment and the wholeness of all that were there. And so Scripture tells us that there was no lack, there was no need. Everyone was, was taken care of. Sounds like a cool kind of environment, right? Cool community that like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be able to receive, but also to give. I want to be a part of that. That's, that's a great thing. However, here's what starts happening. As you start meeting all these different needs, what happens if you, um, what happens if you miss someone? What, what happens if someone feels like, well, my need isn't getting met, or I'm being overlooked? Let's start with chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, the people, they were growing. God was adding to their number daily. When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. What's the daily distribution? It was food. There, were, there, was, there, was, a, there was a meal program going on, and people were getting what they needed for food that day. Now, there's the, the Hellenists, and the Hebrews, what in the world are the Hellenists? Are they like, is that just a whole mob of women named Helen and they've formed this group? No. The Hellenists would be Hebrew, I'm sorry, Hebrew, Greek speaking Jews. So I know contextually right now, or like Greek speaking, Greek speaking Jews, what, what does that mean? What does that matter? Well, the Hebrews were staying true to their lineage, true to their descendancy, but there were, there were those who were also involved in the culture. And, and Greece, like Rome, if, if you look back historically, Rome will blame Greece on all of the problems that they had. If anything was wrong in Rome, it's because they inherited these problems from Greece. So Greece had an influence, and the language was spoken throughout the region. And there were Jews who, instead of speaking Hebrew, would speak Greek. There were also some who would, and this isn't even the, the Gentiles yet. We haven't even broken into the opportunity where those who were not Jewish started gaining an influence in Christianity, started following Jesus. But, so there, there were these Greek-speaking now the Hebrews, who were pure because they were speaking the language of their people, right? The Hebrews, there was some favoritism that was appearing to be had. And so all of the, all of the women that were part of the daily distribution, they were getting what they needed. However, the Hellenists, those Greek-speaking Jews, some of them were lacking. Some of them were not getting what was part of the daily distribution. Do you see where that could cause a problem? Now, those that weren't receiving were looking at those who were receiving and the scripture says, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Here's our first mistake. So let's say there's a social service out there. And in that social service, there's something that you would qualify for, and yet you don't get something. You don't get it because someone else got it. Sorry, we ran out. 
is your complaint against, oh, I'm going to rub someone the wrong way. Let's talk immigration reform for a minute. Let, let, let's talk border walls for a minute. And this, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to get ugly, okay? Let's just be okay with that. We've got to put up a wall because if we don't put up a wall, these Mexicans are all going to steal our jobs. Right? We've heard that. Okay. I'm like, okay, it just got really quiet. We're really rubbing, okay? There's, they're going to take all of our stuff. We're going to give all this free stuff to them, and we're going to miss out. Should our complaint be against those that may be willing to do jobs that we aren't willing to do? Or should our complaint be maybe in the system or the leaders? Like, should, maybe it shouldn't even be a complaint. Maybe it should be, hey, I have a concern. Is, it, it seems as though we're not receiving something, and they are. And maybe our complaint, maybe our argument, maybe our offense shouldn't be put towards those who are receiving, but maybe the system itself. And so maybe the issue should be brought instead of against the Hebrews from the Hellenists, maybe it should be brought to the disciples, to the apostles, to the leaders and say, it seems like there's some disparity here and maybe we could resolve this. Maybe there's something. So this complaint was being brought up and as this complaint was being brought up, the apostles are starting to get wind of there's trouble in River City. And the 12, these are the apostles, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. Now this is interesting. The full number of the disciples. That would be this, and the Lord added to their number daily. Okay, so this is everyone. This is the thousands. At this point right now, could be 20,000 people. So the 12 apostles summoned, called upon, said, hey guys, we're going to have a meeting. And 20,000 people. And this is who they're addressing. And the apostles said this, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. In other words, the apostles knew what God had given them as responsibilities. They knew that there were lots of responsibilities that needed to be handled. There were lots of moving parts. We've got 20,000 people in this group, and we're, the, the, the Lord is adding daily. And as that, we've got stuff that is being sold, and the money is being brought in. And how do we distribute this in such a way that none have lack, right? So there's all kinds of different moving parts in play in this. And the disciples, or the, the apostles, the 12, I keep saying disciples because, right, when they were with Jesus, they were his disciples, and now they are the apostles. Jesus has ascended to heaven, and so now they're the apostles. Now they're the leaders in place of Jesus, but following the leading and the guiding of his Holy Spirit. So the apostles are now presenting to the 20,000 saying, we're going to stay in our lane. And our lane is that we would preach and teach the Word of God. We were the 12 that were with Jesus all the time. And so he walked and talked with us. He taught us. Yes, he, he taught you know, the Sermon on the Mount where there were thousands of people on the hillside and Jesus taught them. And so there were lots of people present. But after that time where there was that big public presentation and public speaking that Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount, there was also 
where they withdrew from the crowd. And they, they went across the lake and they were by themselves. And that's when Jesus really was able to say, you guys, there's 12 of you here now. Do you understand everything that I was saying? Do you have any questions? And so Jesus would do a debrief and really dive deep into what he was saying to the crowd because oftentimes people would hear but not necessarily comprehend. And so he wanted to make sure that they got it. So these are the 12 that were with Jesus and they knew we've been entrusted with a great gift and we need to pass this along. And we can't get so busy in saying, I've I got to do the dishes. I've got to feed people. I've got, they, they couldn't get so busy in doing that that they couldn't also be preaching and teaching. We get that? I lost some of you on the border wall, didn't I? Maybe. I'd love to talk with you later about this. So, it is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Not that they feel like they're above serving. Hear that, okay? There's, there's a humility in, the, in their speak. It is not saying, I'm... B- yeah. That's so yesterday I graduated from that. Like, I've got my degree now. I'm special, and I don't have to get down in the ditches with other people and get dirty. That's not what they're saying. They're saying what we've been entrusted with, we have to be faithful to. But there's other stuff that needs to get done. Therefore, brothers, starting with verse 3, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Pick up from among you. So 20,000 people that are being um, spoken to, being addressed by the 12 apostles. 20,000 people. And they say it's not, it's not right that we would give up preaching and teaching. It's not, give up, it's not right that we would stop speaking the Word of God so that we could serve tables. But the serving at the table still needs to happen. And so from you 20,000... I want you to pick out seven men, seven people who are of good repute. Good repute. That's not a term we use very often, but have you ever heard the term a person of ill repute? Yeah. So a person of good repute would be the opposite of that, right? That'd be like the thumbs up, not the thumbs down. That would be the person that you'd want to hang around with. Someone of good repute, they would have a reputation around the community that, hey, That's a good person. Full of the Spirit. So there's other qualifications, not just of good repute. Not that they're just a good person. Because there's lots of good people in our lives, right? But also that they would be full of the Spirit. They have a relationship with Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit within them. And because they're full of the Spirit, usually, you know what? You know what happens when you're full of something? You guys are so bad. You like automatically go there. We're in church. Come on. Right? When you're full of something, what happens? It overflows. It's like it just naturally comes out of you. You become known as someone who is like full full of it. Um, So there, I'm bad too. I helped you. So if you're full of the Spirit, there are others around you who are going to be like, man, they're... Not only, do they, not only are they a good person, but there's something different about them. Like God has, has done a work in their life and it's so noticeable. 
And so they're full of the Spirit, but not only full of the Spirit, and this is the cool part, uh, there are very few people I've met who are full of the Spirit, but also then lack this next qualification. Full of the Spirit and of wisdom. There's a cool passage in James. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. And what will he do if you ask? He gives it, and he gives it generously. He gives it generously. So, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Now, we're starting a whole serving ministry with the kitchen downstairs where we'll serve dinners and and meals to people out in the community, kind of like in a restaurant environment. We're starting that. Do you think... Do you think when you're starting maybe a kitchen, like a a cooking ministry, a meal ministry, a a, a food thing, do you think one of the qualifications that you would think of automatically is like, well, they need to be full of the Spirit and wisdom? Or would you think like, can they cook? (laughs) Like, are they going to kill the neighbors when they serve them that meal? Like, is the food going to be spoiled? Are expiration dates going to be ignored? Is it like all these different qualities that you would think of for like I think that's part of the reason why we pray before our meals right (laughs) like God please don't let this kill me as they were looking for people who would serve at the tables and provide food for the widows one of the qualifications or some of the qualifications One, that they had good reputation. Two, that they were full of the Spirit and of wisdom. Those are qualifications that we should look for in any leader in any capacity. Anyone. In any role. Full of the Spirit and of wisdom. Whom we will appoint to this duty. I love this specifically because we could easily say, well, serving tables is just like... Anyone can do that. But yet the disciples, the apostles, had the wisdom to understand that this is just as important. Separate but equal in a good way. Like, we've been with Jesus and so we need to be faithful to what we have been given and do what we have been appointed to do. But... There's others over here that also need to serve tables. And when they serve tables, they also need to have the fullness of the Spirit within them. Because what they're doing is also ministry. And it's not second class. It's not a hierarchy. We're above you. You just go handle the menial task of serving tables. But we will devote ourselves, so we will appoint this duty, these seven, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. This is when you know that the Holy Spirit is in the midst and involved in the decision making. How often can you get 20,000 people together 
And when something, a proclamation is made, a decision has been spoken, and hey, we're going to do this, and this is how we're going to do it. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's different times throughout Scripture, maybe this happens to you as well, where as you're reading through and there's a description of someone, you read it and you go, man, like when, when I die and they speak at my funeral or, or in my obituary, man, there are certain things you, you hope that are said about you. When I read this passage and I read about Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, that's my prayer. And my prayer is that that would be your prayer as well. Now, maybe you're not a man, you're a woman. So let that prayer be that you would be known as a woman full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Pumbaa. (laughs) Sorry, it's Parmenas. And Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. This was an important thing that they were going to be doing and they prayed and they laid hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This, is, this last sentence, you could read it and be like, Okay, a great number of the priests became obedient became obedient to the faith. That's earth-shattering. That's again those that the, the priests, those would be the Jewish priests who served in the temple. Those would be the ones who were um, stringent with Judaism. And they were changing. The same way Jesus, when he spoke Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, where he said, you have heard it said that you should live this way, but I say, and that rubbed so many of them the wrong way. It was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus, you're, you're doing it wrong. Je- hey, Jesus, stop, because that goes against what we're saying. You're, you're increasing the level, like we've already got hundreds of rules that we have to follow and you're upping the ante? That was a challenge and yet we read through this that first off, about 20,000 people and they're pleased with the decision that was passed along by the apostles and they appoint seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom They appoint these seven to do these things. And then all of a sudden everything starts clicking and the wheels are whirring and you're at 7,000 RPM and it's not even close to the red line and you're moving and everything everything is tracking. And as it is, even those who would say, 
this rocks my world, are coming into and becoming obedient to the faith. There's a beauty. There's a beauty that takes place when we walk in unity with Christ. When we hear the Holy Spirit, when we hear Him and we obey, we follow His leading. Now, I want to jump back for a moment and just address this. The, the 12 said, hey, it's, it's not good for us. It's not good for us to stop preaching so that we serve tables. Do you know that there are times in your life where the Lord is going to say, hey, what you're doing is good, but it's not the right thing. That's, those are good things, but they're not the right things. We're going to go backwards. Exodus. I think it'll be on the screen. Yeah, okay. So, Exodus. Story in Exodus. So you've got, I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place, and I will. So, that's good. Because I've had coffee. So, in Exodus, you've got Moses. Moses has led the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt. And he's leading them into the promised land. Let my people go. And they follow. And he's leading millions of people out into the desert. And what should take, if you look at the map, walking what should be a three to four day journey. You know, women and children, um, you know, elderly, it might slower a little bit, but three to four day journey through the desert takes 40 years. Through this time, Moses is leading the people and they set up camp. They follow the leading of, of God. There's a, there's a fire that leads them at night and a pillar of smoke that leads them during the day. And they walk through and follow the leading of the Lord where they're going. And as they set up camp in these different spaces where the pillar of smoke or the, the, the fire stops, they set up camp. And that's where they live for a while. If you've got a couple million people, you know, we, we talked about the, the, the celebration of 20,000 people all saying, yeah, that's an awesome idea. And no one being displeased. If you've got a couple million people, there's going to be the opportunity for some disgruntled, like, their camel keeps pooping in my yard. Um, you got to stop. There's, there's going to be times of disagreement. And there were. And Moses sat before the people day and night as the judge. Moses was the leader. And if anyone of the bunch, the multitude, had any issue that needed to be judged, needed to be resolved, they would come to Moses. And Moses would make a declaration. Moses had a father-in-law, Jethro. He's from West Virginia. And, joke. So, Jethro saw what Moses was doing day after day after day. And if any of you have a father-in-law, right, you get second-guessed by everything you're doing. But sometimes the things your father-in-law speaks to you, there's wisdom in that. Jethro sees what Moses is doing and, like, Hey, is it right there? What you're doing is not good. Anyone ever hear that from your father-in-law? <laughs> so I'm preaching to the choir. What you're doing is not good. You're, you're carrying all this by yourself. You're carrying all this on your own. What you're doing is not good. Carry it on. Verse 18. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. 
Let that be a word. I'm screwing up the camera and I don't care because you're here and I'm speaking to you. Anyone that missed the service because they're late or because they just didn't want to be here, you can see the top of my head or maybe I'm out of the frame. I don't care. Hear this right now. You're not able to do it alone. For each of you, you need other people in your life. If you live on an island, stop it because you're going to exhaust yourself. You're going to burn yourself out. If you're trying to do it all yourself, if you would look at something as, this is my ministry, these are my people. No, it isn't. It's God's ministry, and these are all God's people. Do you know that Restoration Foursquare Church is not my church, and you are not my people? You are God's people, and this is God's church, and I just have the opportunity to be a steward of that. What you're doing is not right. You're going to wear the people out. The burden is too heavy for you. You will not be able to do it alone. Verse 19. Click. Now obey. It's on the clicker. It's a, it's a verbal thing. So now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Click. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men and women. Ladies, hear me. Look for able men and women for, from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. That's a cool differentiation to make right there because there are different leaders that have different capacities. There are different people who have different roles and different strengths. And there are some, because you don't want to disqualify, so, well, we need people who are going to lead thousands and they can only lead tens. So let's just sit them on the sideline and sorry, we don't have anything for you. No, God had wisdom through Jethro speaking. God gave Jethro that wisdom to be able to speak to Moses and say, there are going to be people that have capabilities, but some of them limited bandwidth, some of them more bandwidth, and they'll be able to handle thousands, hundreds, fifties, or tens. Set them in places of leadership so that those who are the, the ten that have an issue can go to that person and those of the thousand that have an issue can go to that person and you're not going to burn yourself out are there more or is that does that is that where it ends yeah so and let them judge the people at all times every great matter they shall bring to you supreme court every great matter they shall bring to you but any small matter they shall decide themselves so it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Jethro is speaking this out and he's saying this to Moses because one, he sees Moses is in chaos. And Moses is going to burn himself out. And Moses is running himself ragged. 
He's saying this to Moses, but what's the end result when more and more people are empowered to lead? All the people will go to their place in peace. There's not chaos. There's not disorder. There, there, there isn't the opportunity where people would be like, you know, I, just, I didn't have my needs met. I didn't get the problem that I had resolved. I, I myself find such peace in knowing that there are so many able and willing, capable people who, who serve so well. And I know I don't have to do it all myself. There are things I purposely, there are things that I would look at and say, I could probably do that better or I could do that quicker. But I know in doing that, I'm not doing what God has called me to. The same way that the apostles had the wisdom to say, we've got, stay in your lane, bro. We've got this calling and we need to fulfill it. But there are other people who are capable and we're going to appoint them to do these things. Today, we're going to ask everyone here to serve. No. Thank you. Argue with me. I would ask that every one of you find something to do. And here's where I'm going to give you the freedom. Because this isn't about how we can take care of all the stuff within the four walls here. I want to celebrate those that are den leaders as Boy Scouts or, or Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts. I, I want to I celebrate those who are soccer coaches and, and dance instructors and music teachers. I, I want to celebrate those of you who serve in the community, those that serve at the friendly kitchen or stay overnight at the, the emergency cold weather shelter. I, I want to celebrate you for serving in those areas. I want to celebrate those. Uh, we've got Therese who uh, is part of the Forgotten Initiative. We've got Brenda with Hearts for Kindness. There are so many different opportunities to be able to say, I know that there are needs and we can help meet them. And God has given some creative outlets for that uh, with different organizations that have begun and popped up in this community. I want, I want to celebrate you. If that's where you've found that God has led you to serve, but I also want to encourage you and celebrate you, those that are serving right here within the four walls. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving pieces right here within our congregation on a regular Sunday with children's ministry and making coffee and serving coffee. It doesn't just, you know, like when I say click. Even when I say click, there's someone up there pushing a button. When I'm speaking on the microphone, it didn't just happen. There's someone up there turning dials and making sure that things are unmuted or muted. They equalize sound so that even when Pete may play off key, you're not going to hear it. We love you, Pete. You're a gift. There are so many different opportunities to serve. And so I do want to challenge you and I want to call all of you to be in a place of prayer first. Lord, what do you have for me? Because here's my challenge, and, and here's where I know that the Lord has put me in this place to call people out of comfort zones. And maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been here for a week, you know, like two weeks or a month, and you're just kind of checking things out. I've, I've met some people this morning. I'm not speaking directly to you right now. 
However, please hear me, because this is the heart of this ministry here. If you come in week after week or twice a month or once a month or whatever you would consider yourself, no, I'm a regular attender. Um, and that's my idea of frequency of what regular means. Uh, if, if you're coming regularly and you're just occupying a chair, that's not who we are. We're all hands on deck. We're a team. We're a family. And functional families all have roles and responsibilities. Right? One of your kids is going to take out the trash. One of them is going to do the recycling. Or maybe they do the trash and the recycling. Or maybe you're an only child and you have to do it all. The dishes and the vacuuming. All of the above. Maybe you don't have any kids. And so that's all on you. But healthy families exist in such a way where everyone has a part to play and fulfills those roles. May we be a healthy family. If you are local to Concord, we would love for you to join us at Restoration Foursquare Church. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Consider yourself invited. You can find out more about us at rfcnh.com.